Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, March the 14th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, tons of player movement and news to get into in Miami, two more acquisitions, and what they tell us about Miami's free agency plan. Where do the Dolphins go from here on this crazy quarterback roller coaster? Plus, Odell Beckham Jr., Le'Veon Bell, Earl Thomas, three superstars in the league, all on the move. And we're going to try to get through this without crying. Finish up with the one big thing. But first, before any of that, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Please follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have tons of content and have broken our own website records each of the last two days on LOD.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I flew through that because we have a busy, busy show, busier than normal. Let's jump in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we have a mountain of news items to get to. And up first, we'll start with the losses on the roster. Josh Sitton, the Dolphins' left guard for one game last year against the Titans, played very well, but it played just one game, goes one and done. The Dolphins save $5 million off the cap by cutting Josh Sitton. And I suppose they could have kept Josh Sitton, kept him and played him for 2019, and then let him walk in free agency, assuming he didn't retire, which he probably would have because he's taken a lot of injuries the last few years, and he's getting up there in age. I think he's 34 years old at the end of this next season. But if he would have signed a contract elsewhere in 2021, the Dolphins likely would have scooped up a compensatory pick. But that's neither here nor there. Another loss, a surprise one. Free agent running back Brandon Bolden does the reverse pilgrimage and goes back to New England to join the Patriots once more. And that one's a bummer. I loved watching Bolden on special teams and he had the occasional big play and we'll never forget his long touchdown run, the 50-yard touchdown run against the Patriots in the Miami Miracle game. So we'll always have that. Thank you for it, Brandon Bolden. Other news, a free agent that did sign back with his original hometown team. And this one comes from Kevin Dern. We all know who he is, at KevinMD4 on Twitter. Pierre Desir, the Colts free agent cornerback, mentioned on NFL Radio today that it was down to the Colts, Niners, and our own Miami Dolphins on his free agent wish list down to those three teams. He chose to stay home, but he would have been a fantastic addition to go along with Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, and all the boys at cornerback. He would have been a surefire starter opposite Howard and a really good signing for the Dolphins if they could have gotten it done. Another bit of news from another team, Ryan Schrader, the Falcons' right tackle, was cut on Wednesday. He was awful in 2018, make no bones about that. He was a good run blocker in 2017 and was good at everything else in his career prior to that for three years with the Falcons. Now, he is 30 years old, but he would be an option as a plug-and-play starting right tackle and a decent consolation prize to Jawan James, provided the contract was not too crazy, which I don't think it would be given his recent struggles and the age factor there. And because he was cut, he wouldn't count against the compensatory formula. So it sounds like a move the Dolphins would have to at least explore and kick the tires there on Ryan Schrader cut. 
by the Falcons. Now, as far as players that did get brought into Miami, Clive Wolford, the tight end, signed a contract on Wednesday to bring him back to his hometown. He went to the University of Miami. He was drafted by the Raiders, cut there, signed with the Jets last season after the Dolphins were in on him on the waiver wire, but the Jets were ahead of Miami on the waiver wire pickups. They cut Clive Wolford, and he comes back to Miami. He's a Reggie McKenzie guy for sure. He will probably be a camp body, not even guaranteed to make the roster, but he's here for training camp and now the fifth tight end on the roster. And speaking of tight ends, we now have details on the Dwayne Allen contract. His deal is worth two years for a maximum $7 million. He's guaranteed $1.25 million, and that comes out as a roster bonus paid out tomorrow, actually. So good for Dwayne Allen. He gets one and a quarter million dollars tomorrow just in his bank account. Just shows up. Must be nice. His base contract is for $1.9 million this year and then a big bump in 2020 up to $3.15 million, which is a team option. And let's be honest, he's never going to see that part of the contract. He will probably get cut after his one year unless he does something crazy and adds passing game production to his resume, which he has not done in a few years now. He also has a workout bonus and playing time bonus, plus performance incentives. This contract is nothing. It's peanuts. It's like paying your secretary an extra penny per hour to also clean the bathrooms, aka do the dirty work, which is what Dwayne Allen's going to be doing in Miami as an inline blocker. Also, the details on another former Patriot, Eric Rowe, the cornerback, they come in on Wednesday. A $500,000 signing bonus is the only guaranteed money Eric Rowe gets in his deal. His base for 2019 is $1.375 million, and he can earn $1.6 million more in per-game roster bonuses with a $25,000 workout bonus. All of that comes from Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald, and frankly, it's a great, great contract for the Dolphins. And here's why, because Eric Rowe is a pretty good player when he's healthy. He's just never healthy. And if you guys want to see some video breakdowns of his play, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. I took some snapshots of his film last year in New England and went back previously to other years as well and checked out his game, checked out some of his combine metrics, all that fun stuff up on LOD.com. You look at his games played over the last three years with the Patriots, he hasn't played a whole lot, just 21 games in three years. He only played four games last year, has only started 12 games in those three years. He was dealt from Philadelphia after his rookie season, a promising year. The problem with Eric Rowe is the long speed might not be great. He can get beat over the top, but the scheme fit is obvious here as the Patriots would often play him as the boundary side corner, which can be opposite of what Xavier Howard does as the Patriots would use Stephon Gilmore on the opposition's best receiver and let Rowe play that boundary side press role because he is long, six foot one, and he loves to press and get his hands on guys. And they will often put him into that boundary side X or roll him to the field side of the formation and cover the slot where he can handle that as well with two-way goes. He does tons of rerouting in the slot. He comes down and covers tight ends, can handle the slot receivers at times. But like I said, he will get beat deep. But you can also fix that by the scheme by giving him safety help over the top. And then we obviously know what the Dolphins would do with Xavier Howard and really let him just basically take one-on-one -on, -one on his side of the field and roll safety help over to Eric Rowe. So I have to think they view him as a starter on this defense right away. He definitely gives them some time to ease Cordrea Tankersley back into things, Torrey McTire to get developed, Cornell Armstrong and Jalen Davis, both those guys getting developed. Now, of his 136 snaps last season, 65 of Eric Rowe's snaps came on the perimeter and 56 came in the slot. So 47% outside, 
41% inside, and the other 15 snaps came in the box, 12 of them, and one at free safety, two of them, and one on the defensive line in the amoeba defense, the beauty of Brian Flores' amoeba defense. And that's been his career his entire four years in the NFL. A little bit of perimeter, a little bit of slot, a tiny bit of safety, and a couple of times in the box and down on the defensive line. So he gives you a backup inside to Bobby McCain. It allows Minka Fitzpatrick to transition full-time back to the free safety position. And I just think this is a really high upside signing as at six foot one coming out of Utah, Eric Rowe was a testing phenom. He was a top performer almost across the board at the Combine in 2015. A sub-4 short shuttle, a 6.73 cone time, a 4.45 40-yard dash. That's what got him to be a second-round draft pick back in 2015, 47th overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at his scouting report, it talks about the length and ability to play press man coverage, which the Patriots ran more than anybody else in the NFL last year at 54% of the time. That's what you figure Brian Flores brings to Miami. And that's what Rowe brings to Miami as well. He's a physical press corner. He's feisty. He'll get in your face. He's fundamentally sound in that way. He's position diverse. He loves to tackle and he's a try hard hustle player. There's a great clip on the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com where he runs Kareem Hunt down from the opposite side of the field and lays a big bang on him on the opposite side of the field way downfield. So I'm a big fan of the signing. Will it work out? I mean, who really knows? There's a great chance that he could just take another injury. I believe last year it was a growing injury, so a soft tissue one. And those ones typically tend to linger and be a thing with guys like this, as we have learned with Devontae Parker. And speaking of Devontae Parker, we're going to jump into the other side of the podcast here and talk about what this says about the Dolphins' primary focus in free agency and also talk about quarterbacks and the correlation between these current signings and the signal callers in Miami plus some news from around the league and we'll wrap this thing up with a very very difficult monologue in the one big thing all of that next Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter at Linkful NFL and the show at Locked On Fins What a fun week it has been, both for the Miami Dolphins and around the National Football League, as all these star players changing teams. And as we get into the second official day of free agency here on March the 14th, a Thursday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, I think it's pretty clear what the primary focus is for this Dolphins team in this free agency period. Now, we did talk about the potential signing of Pierre Desir. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks here in just one second, but the approach, three of the four signings, if you don't include Clive Walford today, which frankly, he's a camp body. So we'll see what that actually means going forward. But the idea has been to sign these oft injured players, three of the four contracts, Eric Rowe, Tank Carradine back in February and re-signing Devontae Parker are all massive medical risks with pretty big upside, Rowe and Carradine, both second-round picks. Parker, the former 14th pick in the draft. And you look at Devontae Parker's, I think, Instagram, or maybe it was on Twitter, a message he sent to the team, a big thank you for drafting him and having him back in the fold in Miami. And I don't know if this is just wishful thinking, but maybe he's matured, maybe he's grown up. I think that's a great sign that maybe he's trending in that direction. But all these guys come with a big upside. And frankly, out of the four, or the three rather, it would be great if just one of them hit because 
Realistically, you're not going to get all of them to work out for you on those lottery tickets, but that is the plan. You buy low and hope they return big, big dividends. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears here and change topics to the quarterbacks because it was a huge, huge topic on Wednesday, the first official day of free agency. If you guys didn't see it up on LockedOnDolphins.com, I published my entire scouting report because I don't know what it was, intuition, or maybe it was just me trying to get ahead of the game, but I wrote my entire scouting report on Tyrod Taylor and why, frankly, he's just not that good. I'm not going to go into it on the podcast. If you want to see it for yourselves, it's up there. It also talks about what the Dolphins are thinking with Tyrod Taylor. And the big news came out Wednesday afternoon, right at four o'clock, right when the contracts could become official, that Teddy Bridgewater to New Orleans was no done deal and that he was actually talking to the Dolphins about taking their starting quarterback job and coming down here and being Miami's quarterback in 2019. And he did wrap up a free agent visit with the Dolphins late on Wednesday night. So the last thing we heard, it's 941 out here on the West Coast right now, past midnight on the East Coast. And we just heard a few hours ago that that meeting was a wrap. No contract was agreed to, but the exact same thing happened to Dwayne Allen. He finished his meeting and agreed to a contract the following day or maybe even two days later. But Teddy Bridgewater back in the fold. What we're looking for as far as a contract, I think personally, I'm looking at probably a Jay Cutler type of contract, a one-year $10 million deal. Because let's face it, if Teddy wants to be a starting quarterback in the league, it's going to have to be in Miami because the Saints obviously still have Drew Brees. And yeah, he could be the heir apparent. Yeah, he could maybe start in 2020, which if Sean Payton wants him to replace Drew Brees when he retires, that speaks pretty highly of Teddy Bridgewater. But if he wants to start this year and really showcase what he can do and get a huge contract, the actual starting quarterback contract in 2020, he's going to have to take the deal in Miami and play well and earn himself into a big pay raise with the other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But as far as what this means from a team perspective and a team building standpoint, and it goes back to the tight ends the Dolphins have signed, as everybody seems to be freaking out about there being five tight ends on the roster, which is very customary for going into training camp as we have to have nine guys on the roster. In fact, don't be surprised when they add a couple of UDFAs to the position group because they're going to want tight ends because these quarterbacks they're looking at excel at throwing the football to tight ends and lining up in 12 personnel, which of course is one running back, two tight ends, two receivers, because you go back over Teddy and Tyrod's film, a lot of the stuff they do is under center, working out of play action on bootlegs, layer concepts to either side of the field, cut the read in half, and just stack bodies to the layers and you bring backside over routes, front side jerk routes and deep go patterns. And that's what tight ends do. That's who these guys throw to. That's what the Saints did in week 17 during Teddy's start last year. That's what the Browns did in Tyrod's three starts last year as well. So the correlation is there. There's a plan in place. Trust me, they have an idea of what they're doing, even if you don't like it. That's the thinking. And if the Dolphins sign Teddy Bridgewater, we have a scouting report. Once again, I jumped the gun. It is completely done on LockedOnDolphins.com drafts right now. Once that deal, if it gets signed, I'll publish it for you guys right away with the video breakdowns, all the fun stuff you've come to learn and love about LockedOnDolphins.com. And if they do get the deal done, we'll have the podcast and talk more in depth about Teddy Bridgewater and what his game is with the Dolphins in 2019 and beyond and what everything means because 
Tyrod, no longer an option. He signed a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Chargers, so he is off the list. That pretty much leaves us with Blake Bortles. I guess maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe like a Josh McCown if you want to get that crazy, or Jake Rudock, Luke Falk, or somebody in the draft like a Tyree Jackson or a Jarrett Stidham or an Easton Stick, or if you want to get crazy and draft a guy high, somebody like Drew Locke or trade up for Dwayne Haskins. Whatever it is, the options out there are bleak and probably very limited on draft day. So Teddy Bridgewater remains by far, in my opinion, the top option. And we'll talk about it if they sign him by either tomorrow or next week on the podcast. Let's go ahead and shift gears here again and talk about three contracts that we touched on briefly on last night's episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And it was Odell Beckham, Le'Veon Bell, and I gave you a note on Earl Thomas about going to the Browns. That was not true. He actually signs a three-year massive, I think it was $14 million per year contract to replace Eric Weddle with the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore defense, after losing Zadarius Smith, C.J. Mosley, and Eric Weddle, gets a little bit better on Wednesday afternoon. Now, as far as the Odell Beckham trade, a first-round pick, a third-round pick going over to the Giants in exchange for one of the most electrifying receivers in the NFL. Odell reunites with Jarvis Landry. They now have loaded options in the backfield with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield was one of the, was the impressive rookie quarterback in the NFL last season. That defense with Miles Garrett and now Olivier Vernon, and they've got Denzel Ward on the back end. They did trade Jabril Peppers back to the Giants, but the point remains, this Browns team is absolutely loaded. They trusted the process, and that's what you can hope for at the very highest, best peak level of the tank, or I guess pulling back and gathering resources. So the model is in place for the Browns. And right now, I talked about it on the podcast, everyone's worrying about the fact that maybe they have too many big personalities to mesh. But I think this team is so talented, and with that quarterback leading the way, because everybody buys into Baker Mayfield, I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to win that division and have a serious, serious run in the postseason next year. Now, other news that's more pertinent to the Dolphins in the AFC East, the Jets get Le'Veon Bell for four years, $52 million, just $13, years per year, $13 million per year, which is a bargain for the Jets because Lev Bell, the last we heard, was looking for $17 or $18 million a year, and now they give Sam Darnold a very viable running back in the backfield next to him to take some pressure off in the passing game to run the football. Now, there are concerns. Is he going to get down back to weight? Because the last thing we heard was that he ballooned up to 250 pounds, which is that kind of checks out because back at Michigan State and his first year with the Steelers, he was a chunky boy. Now, he, he definitely pulled it back and got into shape and turned into one of the game's elite running backs. But that doesn't change the fact that there still is a possibility that he balloons back up or maybe doesn't want to work as hard now that he finally is paid and has the guaranteed money coming his way. That's what we all hope for because... FTJ, right? We all feel that same way. Forget the Jets, my least favorite team in the National Football League, even more so than the New England Patriots, as they are loading up trying to make a run in year number two with Sam Darnold. And we're going to talk more about that on the podcast tomorrow regarding loading up on your team and trying to make that big run, that big push in year number two. Is it worth it? What do you have to have to make that push? But that comes on tomorrow's show. Next on the podcast, I hope you guys have some tissues with you because it's going to be the one big thing, and we're going to do it on number 91, Cameron Wake. That's next, Locked On Dolphins podcast, at Wingful NFL, at Locked On Fins.
Heroes, legends. These terms aren't supposed to define professional athletes. After all, as the layman will tell you, it's just a game, right? But that's what the non-sports fan, the person that never once in their life experienced the camaraderie of sport, the triumph of victory, the devastation of defeat, and the countless hours of sacrifice and training required to perform at your athletic best. And that's how athletes can transcend sports. The overwhelming majority of my life lessons I have gathered in 31 years on this earth have come through sports. The aforementioned sacrifice and commitment, teamwork, how to overcome adversity, and forming lifelong bonds with your brothers. At some point, we all transition from athlete to fan, and while we have our favorite players, only a few will ever stay with you for your entire life. For me, I have three. Ken Griffey Jr., Felix Hernandez, and Cam Wake. Sure, Ricky Williams played the role of guilty pleasure, Chris Chambers was my underdog, and Dan Marino is a flat-out legend, but I was just too young to truly appreciate what his greatness was. Every single night as an adolescent, I stood in front of my bulky 90s television and did the Griffey Waggle along with the man that kept the Mariners in Seattle. He was the first athlete that made me truly love sports. For the past 14 years, from his near-perfect game at Fenway Park his rookie year to the actual perfect game he threw in 2012, even up to his recent struggles in the twilight of his career, Felix Hernandez and his unrelenting commitment and love for the city of Seattle, even though we never once paid him back with a trip to the postseason or any run support, will always hold a special place in my heart. And then there's the Dolphin, Mr. Derek Cameron Wake, or as he prefers, Cam. Last December, just 45 minutes after the Dolphins had pulled off the most improbable finish to a football game you or I will ever see, Wake took to the podium and calmly explained the experience from a different perspective. He talked about the work of those around him, Raekwon McMillan making a tackle on the first down prior to the late Steven Guskowski chip shot field goal prior to the Miami Miracle play itself. With humility pouring off him like the beads of water from post-game shower, he praised the work of his teammates and never once made it about himself, even though he very easily could have. Because you see, that's the kind of guy Cam Wake is. He never wants the accolades, he always took the team-friendly contracts, and he always, always outperformed them through the same grit that brought him from undrafted free agent camp cut in 2005 to CFL star to Dolphins legend. Beer, pizza, partying, anything worth doing for fun, you name it, Cam Wake put it on the back burner for the betterment of his own life, for his own family, and because his teammates were counting on him. Through a decade, 98 sacks, and just one postseason appearance, Wake never once complained or asked to be moved to a better situation. He is the embodiment of what an athlete is supposed to be, to what they used to be. Tuesday, he agreed to a contract that would end his career in Miami. At age 37, he still thought highly enough around the league to garner $10 million in guaranteed money on a deal that could keep his playing career going into his 40s, unprecedented for a pass rusher. From his two-and-a-half sack game in his second NFL appearance back in 2009 to the dominant showing in 2010 against Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau Field to the 2012 All-Pro season and the walk-off safety on Halloween, Cam... I saw every single game you ever played in Miami, and never once, not a single time, did you ever let me down. I am forever indebted to you, Mr. Wake, and that's why when my soon-to-be wife gives birth to our first child, he will go by simply Cam.
Okay, I have gathered myself here on the podcast. Sorry if that got a little bit emotional, but that guy just means so much to me, so much to this organization, and I just hope that he knows that. I think we all feel that way. Cam Wake, 10 years in Miami. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. He definitely will be in the Ring of Honor one day. I hope to be there in Canton when he gets inducted into Pro Football's Hall of Fame. But as for today's podcast, that is going to do it. We will have more news tomorrow on Teddy Bridgewater. It is 10 o'clock out here on the West Coast. No you, no news just yet. But if you guys have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capability in your car, just tell those devices to play the Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull us up quickly as you can. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, and I'm sad to see you go, Cam. <laughs>